Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners. Episode 56, which you're about to hear, is the second of two episodes with our distinguished guests. Tune into episode 55 for the first portion of this insightful discussion. Today's episode is sponsored by ThinkSmart, makers of TAP, the ThinkSmart automation platform. TAP lets you digitize, standardize, optimize, and automate any legal process. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today's guests hold leadership roles in CLOCK, the Corporate Legal Operations Consortium. Within CLOCK, leaders of some of the largest law departments in the U.S. are coming together to solidify and implement legal operations standards in an effort to solve challenges in their ecosystems. Joining me today are the Chief of Staff to the General Counsel and Senior Director of Global Legal Operations at Yahoo, Jeff Frankie, and the VP and Deputy General Counsel at Cisco, Steve Harmon. Welcome, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. Jeff, a success story that you can share about your experience where you had someone come in and present a real strong proposal to Yahoo that you could say, wow, that was strong and and that will be the organization we'll go with. I I think that happens on a regular basis. In different situations, it plays out differently. Certainly, I can think of a recent case where we were the defendants and the suit against us was for a considerable amount of money. The claim against us was mostly weak. The process of defending against the claim was, was likely to be a long and drawn out process. And and the firm that ultimately won came in and really spent some time with us trying to understand the desired outcome was in sort of the short, medium and long term, and, and then worked with us to develop an approach to, and this was litigation, to really driving to a potential settlement sooner rather than later. We selected that firm and we're good six months in and, and we're actually in a position to potentially move that case towards settlement as a result of the strategy. There have been other situations where firms have come in and and have highlighted the extent to which they have a highly efficient process for managing types of matters. So, for example, in the patent space, we've got a number of different firms that we use, some firms that we use for patents that are less important to us. You know, we need to, to protect that IP and we want to make a statement in that space, but it's not IP we're likely to monetize. It might not be quite in our current core wheelhouse for what we're doing business with others. Other IP we might might deem much more uh, important and we'll use different firms. But all of those firms have shown us a mechanism behind the scenes by which we're like, yep, yeah, you're highly efficient. And then when we look at what they're willing to offer or charge us on a fixed fee basis, we can say relative to their peers, we're getting the same kind of same kind of quality of work that's being done at a much better rate. Or similarly with some of the litigation firms, you know, they've shown us how they leverage LPOs. They'll identify for us how they're working with third parties to use technology to, to basically make the discovery process incredibly more efficient. You know, I go back to a point that Steve made about the stake. I think that the stake analogy is right on point and it's where we all want to be. But I think there's a piece to that, an element to that metaphor that, that doesn't quite work yet. If you go to purchase a stake, you already have some sense of what the stake costs, right? The, the the core stake itself. If you get to go down to the market, you know what that's going to cost you. You have some sense of, you know, if you're in San Francisco or where you are, what some of the costs behind the scenes are. And if you go to an expensive steakhouse in San Francisco, you already have some sense of what you think you're going to want to pay and what you're going to have to pay. On the other hand, when we're dealing with a lot of these different legal issues, 
We don't really know how many hours or what the inputs are going to be, whether they be research, whether it be maybe working with other parties behind the scenes, whether there's technology that might be brought to the to the table. The industry is really very nascent because law firms up until very recently have not had to do what you described earlier, Nicole, and that is to go in and figure out, okay, if I have my most efficient associate or associates, my most experienced attorneys addressing this particular project, whatever it is, an M&A transaction or a commercial agreement, this is really what a relatively efficient outcome would look like, right? The number of hours that it'll take, the number of whatever. As a result, we're still at a point where we need to actually probably spend a little bit of time understanding, look, you know, are you one of these steakhouses that has, you know, a 50 to one, you know, chef to sous chef ratio? Or have you figured out that, by the way, you only need one chef and, you know, a few sous chefs and by utilizing, you know, maybe a better technology in the kitchen, you can actually do it much more efficiently. And I think you're seeing that on the law firm side, that a lot of law firms are investing in LPM, they're investing in other kinds of internal systems to figure out you know, which associates are just doing churn and burn on projects, which ones are really good, and then kind of coming up with pricing strategies that are consistent and that we can rely on. We're going to get to that stake analogy place at some point in time in the future. I don't know if that's two, five, 10 years out. I imagine it will be different periods of time for different types of work. I mean, you think, for example, wills and trusts. We've reached a point in time with wills and trusts where, by and large, you don't pay an hourly fee. Everybody kind of has a sense of what it takes to get that done. It's mostly templatized. If you have a competent estate planning attorney, you're going to pay X, and you know what that is. Now, if your estate plan gets super complex, there may be some bespoke work done on the end, but even there, we're going to identify what kinds of assets are involved. We're not there yet with a lot of the legal work that, that we look to have done. And as a result, we still look for markers of efficiency to some extent to make our decision. The other point I would make here is that there's really a tectonic shift going on. Once upon a time, those old boy clubs and, and, and knowing lawyers because they played golf at the same golf club, played at the same tennis courts, their kids went to the same private schools. That was the definitive way in which relationships were made and work was handed out. That hasn't gone away entirely. I think especially a lot of at the high end, there's a lot of work that still gets moved around that way. But the creation of the role that Steve and I have and our teams is a very clear indication of what is to come, where the relationships that the lawyers on my hallway had with their firms was definitive in the past and rock solid. Now there's another player at the table and we might not be at the table for every engagement, but we're at it for a lot of them. And over time, those lawyers will continue to play a role, the lawyers in-house, because they really do at some level serve as a form of procurement team. They know their business internally. They know a lot of the good lawyers and law firms, but over time, you're going to see the legal operations departments really own that space. We're going to be the ones that know the legal marketplace inside and out. Every single firm, all of the major partners, we're going to have a sense for what things cost, how long they should take, what efficiency looks like. And that shift in three to five years is going to be radical. And if firms don't pay attention to that, because a lot of them are, you know, we're going to be holding a conference in a few months, clock will, and you're going to see, you know, probably a good two dozen firms there. And those are the firms that are already thinking differently and paying very careful attention and making the relationships with legal operations people, because they don't want to be caught in the wrong place. When we think about legal operations, I've definitely heard the word 
purchasing come up in a extension of purchasing a legal specific, well-informed legal specific group of folks that focus on the strong aspects of a good purchasing group. You know, people that are aware of the industry, that know those players, that know where to find alternative players that are able to, to the points made earlier, look at data evaluate that data and then apply that data to selection. My question is, is that a common distinction around legal operations? And have you heard that? And then the other comment along that is, you know, when did when did all this start to occur? I mean, we, we assumed in professional services, not just legal, that after the shift in the economy around 2008, companies started to reevaluate their trusted advisor relationships, either or both of you could comment on the relationship with purchasing and then also the timing of when organizations started to get much more specific about how they're going to manage their professional services relationships, specifically legal relationships. I'll take the latter one. Happy to comment on the, the former, but I'll start off with the latter. The role of lawyers, GCs in-house has been evolving for a long time now. I, ben Heineman, former GC with GE, recently came out with a book that really does a great job of describing the evolution of the role of the GC. You know, 40 years ago, GCs, um, what they did were more black holes and the CEO and CEO staff were looking at them to avoid risk and handle risk management. That has changed radically over time. These days, GCs are seen as trusted advisors to CEO, CEO staff, and the board of directors. That process took place from about 1982 through 2005-ish. Around 2005, I would say at most companies, GCs are now trusted advisors. Along the same lines, the cost of developing a legal department and running a legal department has continued to go up and up and up and up. General counsel started bringing more and more lawyers in-house, partly to handle the work, but in part to also help them get efficient outcomes for the different types of work that's there. I think part of the misunderstanding, this addresses your first question a little bit, is to think about the lawyers in-house just as people that are handling work as opposed to, to some extent, procurement experts. Part of the reason that we don't leverage procurement within legal is because the combination of legal ops and lawyers on the floor are the procurement function. We are the experts in what we need. But but that transition from an environment where the GC basically picked a couple of firms and they handled everything to really dissecting the work and ultimately adding legal operations has been in evolution for quite a long time. I would say the last 10 years, is where it's become much more common, particularly on the West Coast. But I think if you go um, and talk to the people in New York at J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs, they've had this role for quite a long time because obviously they spend enormous amounts of money on, on outside counsel. And they're obviously, as banks, very keen to be efficient. You know, as the, the rest of the corporate industry becomes more and more sensitive to legal spend, they are developing more and more mechanisms, whether it be legal operations or technology, or in many cases, turning to outside resources like a, a McKinsey to come in and say, you know, hey, we need to approach this differently. We're handling our legal department spend differently than we do anything else. Are we doing it right? Are we doing it effectively? 
we just had Dr. Heidi Gardner. She's a distinguished fellow at Harvard talking about the legal field and law firm structure. She said that the general counsel that, and she talked with a lot of general counsel to write this book. She said that the one point that was so consistent across so many general counsel was to make sure that when someone was working with general counsel to remember that they're lawyers. That's actually a really good point because that's something has, that has changed too. Again, I think 40 years ago, or it might even be longer than that. I mean, what point in time GCs in-house, again, they were risk managers. And when it came time to, to really getting legal answers to legal questions, they turn to outside counsel. And I think at a lot of law firms, they haven't really appreciated that that's not the case anymore. General counsel, people like Steve, who's a lawyer, the senior most members of legal departments are highly experienced lawyers. And quite frankly, they're they're better in most cases than outside counsel at a lot of the work that they do. They were hired for that reason, right? We, we picked the best of the best to, to lead a lot of our, our groups. Over time, as, as we've brought these individuals in-house, we've improved our decision-making around hiring and and the GC role as it's expanded our GC spend more time handling legal issues than anything else they don't have the time to run the legal department at a micro level a lot of times they don't have time to do a lot of the the outsourcing that they'd like to because they're spending their time with the board and and with the CEO and CEO staff not just addressing legal issues but really helping drive the business forward in defining the business models and the business cases for different solutions and products it's a very different role today than it was a long time ago which has had trickle down effect on other roles in the department great points And now a word from our episode sponsor. ThinkSmart is the fastest growing provider of business process automation software. The ThinkSmart automation platform, TAP, provides intuitive drag and drop smart forms and makes moving your paper-based workflows easy. TAP fully integrates with legacy systems, including e-signature offerings, DocuSign and Adobe Sign, your SSO, CRMS, contract management, and e-billing solutions. Get back to practicing law and making clients happy, not chasing paper. Operate more efficiently, cut costs, and save time with ThinkSmart. For more information, go to thinksmart.com. I'd like to dig into clocks. So we've talked about the Corporate Lawyers Operations Consortium. What led me to meet with both of you is I had interviewed several folks on Left Foot, several lawyers and and other professionals, chief marketing officers, and they all mentioned clock. Five different folks that we've interviewed on Left Foot talked about clock. So it, of course, sent me to seek out the organization and learn more about it. I would ask Steve, if you could highlight for our listeners the mission of clock specifically, I know we've talked about it generally, if you would also talk about one or two of the initiatives that CLOCK has going on that you feel are somewhat game changers? Sure. I think this is an extension of the the question we just responded to because it's important to understand from a genesis standpoint, it came about because of a a shared understanding of the problems that we face in-house. And that starts with the very basic question of why are there in-house legal departments? Our answer at Cisco is our legal department exists to ensure that the company is able to sell products in a legally appropriate way. Full stop. We're there to enable the business. And to Jeff's earlier point, we're not 
gatekeepers, our core competency is not bought risks and highlight all the reasons why the business that we're pursuing has potentially risky behaviors. It's the alternative. We're there to make sure that our organizations can sell our products and services in a legally appropriate way. And in order to do that, we share a lot of best practices together. So the genesis of Clock was several of us in these roles getting together and talking about the things that we were doing together that were having the most impact in our internal departments, whether that was purchasing decisions, as we've talked about extensively in this conversation, the use of technology to optimize our work, process optimization, the cultural and organizational adoption challenges that we were all facing. And we started originally as a smaller group sharing those best practices together. The comparison that I will make is that like the technology industries that the original founders of Clock All came from, there's a, a deep appreciation of the importance of standards. I'll draw your attention to the Wi-Fi standards. Part of the reason that those technologies are so ubiquitous today is because there was general agreement among the technology providers in the beginning uh, about the need to have a specific set of standards for interoperability. And we all had a, a, a general appreciation for the fact that we could either spend our time quibbling over our various slices of the pie by coming up with our own independent standards, or we could create new markets, grow the pie, and then have our, our relative growth grow proportionally to the growth of that market. And so we, as, as providers internally, were very open with each other um, in, the very, in the beginning, and we remain very open with each other about sharing best practices. And so Clock has evolved from that original group of professionals that were sharing best practices together, even ardent competitors in the market, right? I have absolutely no problem sharing best practices with people that sell products that compete with my business as long as it's a fruitful exchange and we're both moving the industry forward. And so what started out as a relatively small group of people has over time grown to be a, a large consortium of legal professionals and we're approaching the whole ecosystem now. We're focusing on not just what we're doing internally, but advocating standardization with the technology technology providers, whether they be law firms or not, outside legal providers, technology providers, law schools, law firms, LPOs, all designed to create an infrastructure that allows us to focus on the things that matter most. If you accept the basic preposition that the reason we exist is to help our businesses sell products in a legally appropriate way, there are portions of that work that are not core to our business. There are portions of that work that are ripe for outsourcing to others. And so Clock came about as a group to facilitate that exchange and to facilitate standardization. We do that by supporting the professional development of, of people that are entering this, what we've described as a relatively nascent market, but a market that's maturing very rapidly in the sense that 10 years ago, when Mark created the legal operations function within Cisco, he was one of the first, if not the first in the technology space. But now, Every every mature company is creating this, this role internally. We support professional development of counterpart within the organization. We develop and offer best practices, including tools, technology, org adoption challenges I described earlier, really working together with our key legal service providers, the firms that are forward thinking. It's all designed to go back to that state of play where the focus is not the legal issues. The focus is the ability to sell our products. 
if we get to the point where people are making purchasing decisions about the products that Jeff's company offers and my company offers based on our relative ability to comply with Sarbanes-Oxley, we've completely missed the boat, right? That, that decision has never been made on those terms. And so what we need to do is provide that, that outcome to our companies to be able to, to sell our products, recognizing that Compliance is incredibly important, and it has to be done right, but it's not, a, it's not a differentiator when it comes to our core businesses. Solid points. Absolutely. Steve, what was great about that explanation is that idea that standardization and best practices and the willingness to share, what a great opportunity for those people that are in the ecosystem of clock and that the ecosystem is not just organizations like yours, right? It is those law firms. It is those legal services providers. Jeff, anything to add to that explanation? Just flag a couple of things that are really kind of subsets of that. I think one of the things that we really try to do is to create an environment for networking. And we had a conference last year and, and there was a sense at the conference, people described it as as, as almost religious. Because this, this discipline is relatively new, this function is relatively new, and because it has such a broad set of obligations, we've identified 12 core competencies, but beneath those 12 core competencies, there's as many as 10 or 20 underneath each one of those. You go to law school, you spend three plus years there, depending whether you're doing it full-time or part-time. You don't really come out being prepared to practice law. You certainly don't come out being prepared to run a law firm, and, and you're even less well-prepared to lead a legal department as a business. A lot of what CLOCK is about is identifying those core competencies and then creating the content for them. And the conference is in part designed to do that. There's more white space right now than there is clear content and clear curriculum around how you develop expertise in these different areas. But CLOCK is very focused on that. Networking, again, is another key issue. And, and Steve said it, but I'll, I'll just repeat it. CLOCK is very much about working with the law firms and technology providers and others to identify ways that we can deliver corporate legal services more efficiently and more effectively. It's just not very efficient right now. It's pretty effective, but it's not efficient. We're getting a lot of pressure from CFOs. You know, the other thing that we didn't talk about before is the role of the GC has changed, but the type of people and the focus of CFOs and COOs and other people in the C-suite, CEOs, has changed. And they're no longer writing a blank check to the legal department. They're really looking at what kind of ROI they're getting on the money that they're spending. And I think they're generally very happy with the quality of, of what they're getting. I think more and more of them are saying, we like it, but you need to do it less expensively. And CLOCK is here in part to, to work with the industry industry to say, how do we do this in a way that's a win for all of us? Great additions to that definition. Gentlemen, very strong interview. You both are quite passionate about your work. Steve, what do you enjoy most about the work that you're doing in legal operations? Well, it's going to sound a bit patronizing, but I really, really enjoy working with my boss because of the, the enthusiasm that he has for this as a discipline. I do have a technology background, a legal background. There were lots of career options that were available to me, but this has been, for me, the perfect match. A close second is the camaraderie that comes out of it. There's nothing more satisfying than solving problems. When you solve problems collaboratively, as we have done in CLOCK, you build important relationships. Just as other practice specialists have their affinity groups. This is our affinity group. I just see a really rich opportunity for new lawyers entering the practice that maybe have non-traditional backgrounds or non 
traditional interests to expand into an area where they can leverage their unique skill sets and pursue the things that are attractive to them about a professional environment that may be more attractive than sitting down and billing time in six-minute increments. So that's what's really been a, a big driver for me. Great point. I was thinking earlier in our conversation that having that support above you and in leadership is, is so critical to the success of a group or a department like Legal Operations. Thank you, Steve. Jeff, comments on your experience and what you enjoy most about the work you're doing? I got into legal operations in part because I'd spent the better part of, I don't know, 10 plus, 12 plus years practicing law. And I'd seen every kind of indemnification provision there was, every limitation liability and and negotiated into the point where it was painful for me to, to do yet another one. And I really wanted something that was on the one hand, big picture, right? You know, the strategy, figuring out what a legal department, what a legal team really could, should look like, and then working at a micro level to figure out what technologies, what should the budget look like? One part of it is really that it's it's multidisciplinary, right? It's finance, it's technology, it's the law. Many people say, well, you know, how does it feel to not be a practicing lawyer? I practice law every day. I'm still negotiating agreements. Uh, I'm still involved with all of the lawyers on, you know, on the hallway here and in helping them sort out their issues with law firms that they work with. I really like that piece to it. I think it's really fulfilling in a way that I I couldn't find, and I'll use this somewhat pejoratively, just practicing law. But the other piece that I'm really excited about is there is a change in the legal industry taking place. It's been ongoing. I'll use a phrase that I used earlier. I think it was tectonic before. It was very slow. I think the change is, is accelerating much more rapidly now. And some of that's coming from the change role of the GC. Some of it is coming from the creation of legal operations. Some of it is from the fact that this is a highly inefficient industry where supply and demand is just not properly met, where the underlying providers of the services are doing it in many cases very inefficiently. And I think being a part of making a change on that front, working with people like Steve, participating in sessions like this, where we we raise awareness and talk about what the changes are, that's really exciting to me. It's not too often you get an opportunity to reshape an industry, but I think that's where we're at. And I think that's what, at some level, legal operations is really about. It's reshaping our legal departments and it's reshaping them in part through reshaping the industry. Fantastic. And definitely we're hearing about clock and see that it's definitely creating some interest across the board and people are paying attention. So I would have to congratulate both of you on the good work and getting the word out there and embracing wanting to change, being part of the change in the legal industry. So Steve Harmon, thank you. Jeff Frankie, thank you. It's been a pleasure having both of you as guests on Left Foot. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot.